0: This is Jones Financial Talk with Nick Jones from Jones & Associates Premier Financial Solutions. When a part of your financial strategy is out of tune, your long-term goals, your retirement savings, and your legacy can all suffer. Nick provides his clients and prospects with the information they need regarding social security, retirement income planning, wealth management, and much more. Listen in as we address your financial concerns and provide helpful solutions to put you on the path to achieving your retirement goals. And now, here is Jones Financial Talk with your host,
1: Nick Jones. Well, hello and welcome back to Jones Financial Talk. This is Nick Jones from Jones & Associates Premier Financial Solutions. Listeners, if you'd like more information about what you hear on our show today, please don't hesitate to give us a call at 541-773-9567 or you can always visit us on our website at jonesfinancialtalk.com. And when you're on the website, please click on the radio page to check out all of our past shows and to even subscribe to our program on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can also uh, reach out on that website to ask us any questions or to set up a, a consultation, a face-to-face or a virtual meeting. So please take us up on that offer. Now, listeners, today the recent market volatility and its ramifications has been a source of uneasy financial feeling for many Americans, um, and that's been true since the early days of the COVID-19 pandemic. And then now recently, with the current situation that we have and experienced in Ukraine and the related significant economic sanctions on Russia, uh, these things are adding even more uncertainty to both our economy here at home as well as globally. And during certain uh, uncertain economic times, I receive plenty of concerned emails and phone calls from my clients asking if their retirement strategy is now in jeopardy. And in many cases, a robust strategy can hold up really, really well against economic issues. But worrying about those economic issues in your economic future is only natural. So I thought for the first segment of our show today, that we discuss how you may be able to better handle some economic anxiety when things like this happen and uh, i'd like to bring in my co-host tony shore to help us on that topic today
0: all right nick look at you go with a great topic for us today i love it i love it i've been doing great thanks for having me on the show And, you know, I'm glad we're talking about these things. Uh, A lot of them, you know, a lot of these uh, topics have been in the news lately. Market volatility, obviously, this has been one of the rougher starts to a year, 2022, uh, that we've had in a long, long time as far as market volatility. And of course, people are concerned about that in combination with inflation right now, and if you're in or near retirement, Medicare and health care costs are obviously a top of mind. So uh, I'm excited to dig in and see what you have to say about these issues that could help us and help our listeners out there. But first, how are you doing, Nick? Have you been busy?
1: <laughs> I have been. Yeah, things have been great. But uh, like I said before, when there's uh, some economic uncertainty, obviously there's lots of questions that need to be answered. And so we are fielding lots of calls and meeting with lots of clients right now to, to help um, help them understand, you know, the topics and the things that we're going to discuss today and the things that they can do to make sure that their, you know, economic future is uh, is in the right spot for sure.
0: Sure. Well, and that makes perfect sense. And, you know, I, I really think that, you um uh, never get too high, never get too low. That's my motto. And I think this is a good topic, obviously good timing. Uh, you know, it was just beginning to feel like we were coming out of the COVID-19, uh, economic crash and our economy was strong once and for all only to find ourselves in the middle of a dangerous crisis, obviously between Russia and the Ukraine and the implications of that has had real economic consequences for people all around the world, including some here in the U.S. So
1: what do you have first for us? Well, sure. You know, I mean, obviously this year has been extremely volatile. I mean, the S&P 500 fell more than 5% in the month of January, uh, and that was its worst performance since the earliest days of the pandemic. And conditions, you know, have remained challenging well into February and both March, right? And, and we are close today to a 10% correction at this point. And, and many financial experts, Tony, predict that economic volatility will continue to re- remain for some time, Due to those things that we just mentioned, so inflation, rising interest rates, uh, global political uh, issues like we're having with Ukraine right now and in Russia, and and continued fallout really from COVID nineteen, and it never feels good to lose money. Okay, but historically, markets do see corrections like this about every two to three years. And those corrections usually last around three to four months. And and the thing here, Tony, to to really keep in mind is no one can predict how long the current downturn will last. Um, So you have to stay the course and make sure that you've got some good points to consider and think about in your financial plan with your financial advisor when things like this occur.
0: Yeah, yeah, you need to be working with a trusted financial services professional, somebody like yourself and your staff there, Nick. I think that's so important. Uh, but I just can't imagine uh, that there's much out there that would give retirees and pre-retirees stomach pains quite like market volatility that, that really can upset people, add a lot of stress.
1: It, it, it sure can. And and with due reason, and we understand that. But, you know, Tony, market volatility can sometimes be a very positive thing for long-term investors who stick to uh, different strategies. One of those is dollar cost averaging, for instance, which means that you know you have regular contributions to your investment accounts over time and um, because the, it, this potentially allows you to buffer some of the risk of purchasing stocks during both highs and lows, which uh, you know essentially levels out your returns. okay And the volatility that we continue to experience in the markets has some investors nervous about the possibility of uh, a deeper correction. Um, and you know th- that is definitely something that we need to think through and, and be able to address with the way sure. that we build our portfolios, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you know, uh, what's the basically what's the first step then to help deal with this market volatility?
1: Yeah. So the first thing I'd say is um, consider moving some money um, into the into the idea of you know a short term out of the market phase. Um, th- that you're going to spend in the near term and that that money should be moved to safer investment tools like um, high yield savings accounts or, or money market funds and you know that money includes important pots like your emergency fund and, and cash for things like a down payment on a home that might be coming up um, you know in, in a short period of time or some type of a home renovation or even a wedding for your children or yourself and uh, additionally if you're retired or close to it, and you plan to use a portion of your portfolio for everyday costs, you definitely want to consider moving at least, say, six months to, to a year's worth of expenses out of the stock market so that you're not so worried about the day-to-day implications.
0: Ah, good advice. I think that's great. Now, what's a tip number two that you have for us?
1: Sure. So the the next piece of advice would be to just make sure that you stick to your plan for longer, for your longer term investments. Okay. And during times of economic volatility like we're experiencing today, it's totally natural to become jittery, but you just can't allow those feelings to cloud your long term goals. That's why you made a plan in the first place. And so I would just say, you know, take a breath and remember that um, what you're trying to accomplish with that well built plan. Um, If you're diligent about putting money away for retirement, and you're still years off, um, or if you're investing for something specific like your child's education, and they're only two or three years old, don't get knocked off your course. You still have lots of time for your investments to recover from the dips and the corrections that we experience. And you know the reason some financial experts urge long-term investors to keep most of their money in a diversified portfolio with a with a nice you know focus on stocks is that that volatility and the short-term risk may allow for higher returns over time and ultimately you just have to determine for yourself what allocation is best uh, and in your best interest based on your time frame which is very very important you know how much time you have until you're actually going to use that money and then also your appropriate risk tolerance.
0: All right and that brings us to our third tip uh, which is,
1: What's the third tip here? Yep. Yep. So the third tip, Tony, is and the final tip is to make sure that you have realistic expectations. Um, We need to be reminded that, you know, with the short-term bear market that struck during the beginning of the pandemic, investors have seen record performance in the last few years. In fact, the S&P 500 is up nearly 60% during the last three years. And so, you know, it's easy to lose sight of the fact that historically returns tend to run more in the 8 to 10% range and that bear markets, which are markets that we have a pullback of more than 20% in the market is, uh, generally occur about every two to three years. And so in the end, that means that anticipating that your investments will continue to perform as long as they have during the last three years just isn't reasonable, Okay.
0: Well, yeah, I would, I would say. And uh, there's a lot of good insights there. Uh, and you do need to pay attention. But to me, it's also a reminder of just how important it is to work with a financial services professional.
1: Well, exactly. You don't have to go it alone, right? And and when it comes to your overall financial strategy, and more specifically, your retirement strategy, uh, the consequences of making mistakes are just too serious in situations like this. And so you need to make sure that you have an experienced expert on your side and in your corner that's going to help guide you when, when things get a little rocky like they are today. Yeah,
0: for sure. And we should probably take a quick break here. But before we do, Nick, let our listeners know how they can get a hold of you, uh, get a couple of reports run. It's uh, There's no charge and no obligation.
1: Sure. A couple of different ways, um, callers. You can, you can give us a call at 541-773-9567 or visit us online at jonesfinancialtalk.com.
0: All right. Thanks so much, Nick. And listeners, stay tuned. We're going to be right back with more of Jones Financial Talk and our host, Nick Jones, right after this. In today's volatile environment, making sure your assets are properly aligned with your financial goals has never been more important. Money can go up or down in value, and it may pose a risk if it isn't properly managed to serve a specific purpose in a comprehensive plan. If you've ever thought that maybe too much of your assets were exposed to market risk, you owe it to yourself and your retirement to check out the Color of Money Risk Analysis. The first step is getting your assets aligned with your goals. At Jones, and Associates Premier Financial Solutions, we use the simple 11-question survey to help gain insight into your financial profile. Armed with your score, we can help you make decisions about your asset allocation in retirement. To learn more about this valuable self-assessment, visit us at jonesfinancialtalk.com or call us today at 541-773-9567.
1: Welcome back to Jones Financial Talk. This is Nick Jones from Jones & Associates. Listeners, as always, if you'd like more information about what you hear on our show, please don't hesitate to reach out to us in a couple of different ways. You can go to our website at jonesfinancialtalk.com or simply give us a call at 541-773-9567. Now, during our first segment today, we talked a lot about the ways that you may be able to protect your assets and financial strategy from market volatility. And now I'd like to switch gears a little bit and discuss Medicare in a way that I don't think that we've talked about on the radio show before.
0: Oh, okay. Uh, this should be interesting. Now you've in, in, uh, piqued my interest here. So what do you mean when you say that? Uh, discuss Medicare in a way we haven't.
1: Well, you know, Tony, interestingly enough, you know, um, this this comes from an actual recent phone call that I have with a client who... Also, as a regular listener of our show, and and she asked me, um, you know, a couple a couple of days ago, that you know, she said, I, I appreciate your shows on Medicare, and and you do a great job of telling us what Medicare is, and and you also tell us often about some of the ways that the program is in trouble, but uh, why don't you do a show on on some of the ideas for things that could actually preserve Medicare for the long term, and and you know what I thought to myself, now now that's a great idea, you know, a lot of people actually ask about that, and so. After a little research, I found some outstanding uh, points that maybe we could talk about for the rest of the show and things that uh, that really could fix a lot of the Medicare problems that exist today.
0: Okay, and now you have me fired up. So what are some of these things uh, that really uh, can help us with this?
1: Okay, so let's start with just some of the basics. So f- for many years now, we've all seen plenty of news stories You know, with headlines declaring that Medicare is in big trouble thanks to, uh, you know, underfunding and increasing costs. And as it currently stands, by 2026, so just five years or four years, I should say, I'm sorry, from now, Medicare's trust fund for Part A could run dry. Now, recall that Part A covers inpatient care at both hospitals and skilled nursing facilities. All right, And and Part A is funded mainly through a payroll tax of just right around 3%, where employers throw in half of that, 1.5%, and then employees throw in the other amount. And the Congressional Budget Office projects that another $516 billion is needed to cover the potential shortfall that we're going to have between the years of 2026 and 2031. And so without any action, uh, Medicare has enough revenue today to cover about 91% of Part A costs during those years. So we have a shortfall of about 9%.
0: Okay, so uh, that's interesting. And, And I know you always hear, oh, you know, Medicare and Social Security aren't gonna last, they can't keep them solvent. Uh, but they are doing things. And I mean, those numbers definitely got my attention. So, what about Medicare Parts uh, B and D, though?
1: Sure. So, Medicare Parts B and D, which cover things like visits to the doctor and prescription uh, drugs, respectively, are funded through beneficiary premiums and tax revenue. So, th- there's some good news here and there's some bad news. Okay. The good news is that Parts B and D are currently well funded because their spending is tied to expected yearly expenses. The bad news, however, is that the current, um, you know, that current adequate funding doesn't necessarily mean that parts B and D are on solid economic footing, okay? And and the reason for that is exactly what people would, would, would lead themselves to believe, which is part B expenses are rising faster. So healthcare expenses are rising faster than those for part A and are even uh, outpacing the overall economy from an inflationary standpoint. And as we've talked about on previous shows, you know, eventually Congress will need to address Medicare. Uh, obviously, you know, in, in my opinion, uh, when they address it, they, w- they will do that because the program is nothing short of essential for millions of Americans. The only real question, Tony, is, you know, how are they going to address it, right?
0: Right. Yeah, that is that is a good question. And so, Uh, obviously Medicare needs a little
1: help, but what can be done? So lots of different ideas here. Um, The first potential fix is to increase the eligibility age um, of those uh, from the age of 65, which is what the current age is. And while some members of Congress have advocated for actually lowering the age to 60 um, for non-financial reasons, Uh, That's not going to happen because the fact of the matter is that lowering the age for Medicare just would not help in the program's finances. It would be even in in a worse spot. And in fact, I'd I'd argue that because of changing demographics, there there probably will be no choice but to raise that eligibility age sooner rather than later. And and part of the reason for that, Tony, is because you know when Medicare became law in 1965. Uh, life expectancy was different, right? A 65-year-old man at that time was expected to live about another 13 years, okay, so just to the age of 78. And a 65-year-old woman was expected to live on average about another 16 years, okay, to the age of 81. And so today, though, you know that those numbers have jumped, and it's 18 years for men and 20 years for women. And so at the same time, there are currently fewer workers contributing taxes to support those beneficiaries. I mean, back in 1965, when the program started, there was almost five workers to support every enrollee in Medicare. And in just a short amount of time in 2030, it's expected that there's only going to be on average about two and a half workers to support each retiree and enrollee. So that's half the people, right, paying the taxes to help the same base. Right.
0: So, wow. And I'm sure that uh, for some of our listeners out there, especially people in their late 50s or early 60s, the idea of the Medicare eligibility age going up might cause their blood to run a bit cold. So, what are some of the pros and cons?
1: Okay. So, you are exactly correct. And it's it's definitely a concerning uh, feature for, for many people in that age group. But sure. first for the pros, right? So. Increasing that age may go may go down easier than you think because something similar has actually happened before, okay? So in 1983, Congress increased the full retirement age for Social Security from 65 to 67 to spread a 22 window, okay, to spread it over a 22 window that started and began in 2000. And <clears throat> the reason for that is because they knew that they had to come up with uh, and slash billions from the fe- federal deficit um, and, and to, to keep paying for it. So that was just one way that they took care of it.
0: Okay. Uh, that's interesting. And, uh, you know, obviously, uh, there are some cons here too, though.
1: Yeah. And they're, they're pretty obvious, right? So first um, employers and younger seniors would have to pay for the healthcare that Medicare previously covered and, um, expense, you know, that would likely be billions and billions of dollars a year, okay? And raising that age could also drive up the out-of-pocket costs for people already on Medicare. Uh, and, and you ask maybe why to that question, but it's because people uh, who, who first, you know, come into Medicare are younger and healthier, right, than older recipients. Um, but as the eligibility, uh, eligibility age goes up, it would mean that the pool made up uh, of people that are on Medicare are going to be older, and possibly sicker, okay?
0: You started looking at some of the steps that could potentially make Medicare more stable in the future, why it might be a little unstable and some things they might do. So, what do you have for us to wrap up our show today?
1: Yeah, so let's talk about a couple more fixes that we could use to to help Medicare and you know the the next idea is to offer up some revenue from an existing tax as a way to potentially make Medicare more viable in in the decades to come. Uh, Congress could, Tony, okay, use the unearned income Medicare contribution tax, which is also known as the net investment tax to directly fund Medicare. And the tax was originally established in, in 2010 to help pay for the Affordable Care Act. But the money currently actually goes into the general fund, okay? Um, and, and the biggest pro, uh, for this one is simply that it made it easier for Congress to live with, right? The, the tax currently hits high earners, uh, people that make $200,000 if they're single or $250,000 if they're joint, and it's an extra 3.8% tax on investment income like dividends. Now, the, the con here, according to critics is that, you know, it would be a little more difficult um, uh, because you'd be shuffling money around without truly addressing how to make Medicare more sustainable in the future. Because uh, unless healthcare costs are addressed, premiums are going to go up every single year, no matter what we do.
0: Well, that's true. Uh, And uh, rising healthcare costs and prescription drug costs, uh,
1: you know, we have to address that. It's essential, isn't it? It sure is. It sure is. And, you know, another thing that could happen, Tony, that we could do is um, if we modified Medicare Advantage payments and plans, um, that could be a very, very viable solution. And so Medicare Advantage or Part C is money paid to private insurers and medical providers. And this program is not funded separately. It is supported for money uh, from parts of A, B and D. Okay, and so Medicare pays Advantage plans a fixed amount for each enrollee. Some experts argue that the government overpays for Medicare Advantage, and one proposal would be to set Medicare Advantage payments aside for the bid with the second lowest costs. okay? So doing so would foster more competition among uh, among insurance companies. And then the biggest potential drawback of this, though, would be that you know, the insurance companies are likely to fight tooth and nail to get Congress to basically stand down and not do that, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's true. And another great point. So um, what about negotiating prescription drug prices? I mean, I know that's something that spurs a lot of conversation these days.
1: That That's exactly correct. And, you know, probably many of our listeners likely know that current law uh, bars Medicare from negotiating drug prices. Okay. And um, the proposed Build Back Better Act, uh, which is still sitting in Congress, would allow Medicare to negotiate prices for a small group of high-cost drugs beginning in just a few years for Part D, and then also for Part B um, in in the near future.
0: So what are some potential pros then uh, with allowing Medicare to negotiate drug prices? What are the pros to that?
1: Sure, so while the Build Back Better Act uh, would include negotiating for just 10 drugs first, the number would jump to 20 uh, by the year 2028 and beyond and the negotiated drugs would be chosen from a pool of about 50 treatments with the highest total spending for each program, okay? And this would lead to nearly 70 to $80 billion in Medicare savings over the next 10 years.
0: Wow, that sounds pretty good to me. Are there really any cons then to allowing Medicare to negotiate drug costs?
1: So, so there definitely are. Um, first, you know, I would say that negotiating those drug prices – doesn't do anything to aid Part A because inpatient care providers are reimbursed for a procedure's entire cost, not each individual service. And additionally negotiated drug prices likely wouldn't cut costs for some of the most expensive treatments, which are often um, you know recently approved drugs, okay um, And under the proposed legislation new treatments are exempt from negotiation for between 9 to 13 years, depending on the type of medicine that that is. Okay, so, so that would be a con.
0: All right. Well, that that's true. Uh, I mean, you know, and that's not necessarily so bad, but yeah, I mean, I, I can see that. And my biggest takeaway from all of this so far is that there's likely no magic catch-all solution then for Medicare's long-term viability, it sounds to me like it's probably going to take a series of different actions that they're looking at.
1: That's that's exactly the truth, and and this is why Medicare is such a debated topic. Whenever there are different political, um, you know, campaigns being run, um, the final solution could be to shift to what's called a defined contribution program, and as you might imagine, this is a very very controversial uh, idea because. It would literally transform Medicare as we know it today. Uh, Mm. This type of new program would be, you know, a premium support plan where, you know, the federal government would contribute a set amount of money for each beneficiary to spend on their preferred medical insurance.
0: Well, it's good to look at the pros and cons of everything. But now we're out of time for today's show. It flew by. Is there anything else you want to add before we go?
1: Well, yeah, Tony, I just urge our listeners that if anything we talk about on our show uh, interests them and they would like to have a discussion more about it, to just reach out to us. Uh, They can do that in two ways, either by going to jonesfinancialtalk.com or simply reach out to us at 541-773-9567.
0: All right. Sounds good. And listeners, that does it for today's episode of Jones Financial Talk. Thank you for listening to Jones Financial Talk. Don't pay too much for taxes or retire without a sound income plan. For more information, please contact Nick Jones at Jones & Associates Premier Financial Solutions. Call 541-773-9567 or visit their website at jonesfinancialtalk.com. Based financial planning and investment advisory services are offered by Jones and Associates Premier Financial Solutions, a registered investment advisor in the state of Oregon. Insurance products and services are offered through Jones and Associates Premier Insurance Solutions. Jones and Associates Premier Financial Solutions and Jones and Associates Premier Insurance Solutions are affiliated companies. Nick Jones and Jones and Associates Premier Financial Solutions are not affiliated with or endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any other government agency. All matters discussed during this show are for informational purposes only. Each individual situation may vary, and the opinions expressed here may not apply to everyone. Materials presented are believed